0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we're happy to be back. And we are journeying together during this Lent. And our last episode, we talked about some aspects of Lent and, you know, fasting and, Alms giving and prayer. prayer and all those things and and one of the topics that came up uh, during that discussion was the idea of detachment. So that's going to be the topic of the day. But yes. before we get into that, anything uh, since the last time that you want to bring up?
1: I'm just getting very excited that um, I'm going to have a grandson born next month. Woo! I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to meeting him and and getting to play with his sister some more and, and getting to be with them. I'm just, I'm just to the moon. It's just a, the thrill of my life to be a grandma.
0: So this is a place where we can talk about the difference between jealousy and envy. Oh,
1: okay. Okay.
0: Cause I don't envy your grandkids because I am so happy you have them and I love your delight in them. I am a little jealous of them because I do not have grandkids and Probably won't be having them for quite some time. So yeah. they sound so great. <laughs> so yeah. It sounds so fun to have, you know, grandbabies. And so I'm I'm looking forward to that. So uh, I I pretty wonderful look excited for you. Yeah,
1: can't can't get. I've you know recently spent since the last time we visited. Um, I had back to back weekends. One in the Dallas area. One in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, visiting because of birthdays. I've got. Uh, Rosie's birthday is the 30th of January and Reed's is the 1st of February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had to split up our times between the two of them and just mm-hmm. had a ball. I just really Great. enjoy going and uh, just playing with them. And, mm-hmm. oh, it's just so good and delightful.
0: Yeah. Well, it's Awesome mm-hmm we'll be praying for a healthy yeah delivery. please pray for
1: my daughter lee and her unborn child baby boy gibbs is what we were calling him right now we don't know his mm-hmm. name so we're all looking forward to meeting him
0: well exciting all right so let's get into this topic of detachment because it's a big one and it's, it's a actually, good one yeah it's one that i've really really thought and prayed a lot about over the life my life as a christian um Probably because there have been times when I recognized very clearly I was struggling with it. And so the struggle to be detached would mean you are attached correct, with an unholy attachment. And so I think these are sort of things that we need to kind of parse out. What does it mean to be detached? What does... I got such a good one. I got a good example because
1: I'm thinking, you know, I've been like you, been working on be trying to be very self-aware of what I'm overly attached to. Well, let's Mm -hmm. kind of really explain what that means to be attached to something. Right. Um, My take on that is when you're so attached to it or, or it's such a focus and a a sincere, deep focus that somehow God slips into the background and you're not quite aware of the presence Mm -hmm. of God. That's kind of one way to look at it. Um, another way to look at it, would be like a hyper focus on something like you just got this laser beam focused on something in general. So my example is self-disclosure. I love my car. <laughs> okay. I love my car. Um, I feel like the Lord gave me this car. It was just a great deal, low miles. And so I really would baby it take it. Cause mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm taking good care of my car. I'm going to be really on top of my car. I'm going to get the maintenance on it and all of these things. So I'm thinking I'm being a really good steward of my car. Mm-hmm. Well, then something went terribly wrong. I had it repaired. Um, it was like in a routine maintenance, basically. A pretty big. It was a timing belt. I had the timing belt. Oh, you need to have it changed. Mm-hmm. You know, if it goes out, it ruins your whole engine. Okay, that's what I heard. So I got the timing. Being a good steward, right? Right. Well, after about two and a half weeks after I had the timing belt chain repaired or fixed or changed, guess what happens? It busts. Mm -hmm. And they had told me, okay, it could ruin your engine. Right. Luckily it had nothing to do with me, but long story short, I went eight weeks without my car Mm -hmm. and I thought my car was a goner. Uh I was so emotional. (laughs) I was like, my car, I love my car. And it really, and then because of my emotional reaction to the Mm -hmm. loss of my car over that time, it made me go, huh. I think I was too attached to that vehicle. Okay. Right. Uh huh. And I thought it was like a misplaced sense of, I don't know, it's just misplaced value. Right. Perhaps mm-hmm. I wasn't pleasantly detached. Like it, 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 In my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, Megan, but in my mind, if I was detached from it and just had a healthy relationship with my car, that's kind of a strange thing to say. When it happened, I would abandon myself to God's providence and, like, you know, this is just all part of life, Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have evoked a very deep emotional response from me, but it did, Uh and I was quite surprised. So Uh I'm hoping not
0: to reattach. (laughs) Now I do finally have have the car back. Well, I think. One of the things that I think what you're talking about brings up, because it's easy for one to say, like, why would somebody be that attached to a particular car, object, or mm-hmm. object? And the, I think it gets down to the question, which I'm just going to ask you. Sure. What does the car mean to you? Okay, I'm glad you asked that because <laughs> I,
1: I too have done some self reflection. Uh-huh. I figured you had. <laughs> Yes. So it, it being a mother of five and this is kind of a long long time coming kind of mm-hmm. being a mother of five when I had all five kids at home my cars were a disaster. You know mm-hmm. the the chips and the or crackers and toys and shoes and paper and just all the time horribly messy. Well over time I dreamt of having actual full control over uh-huh. one little environment. Okay. Don't yeah. have it over the house. Right. But I had it over this environment of my car. Right. And uh-huh. so I took such pride. Man, I go to the car wash right. and I'm I'm cleaning. in uh-huh. the inside the door, even where the place where it closes the door, I'm, I'm cleaning that. I'm cleaning. I mean, mm-hmm. I just go crazy because I finally have something I can have really
0: clean and nice. Right. So that then speaks to the attachment less to the object but what you have associated the object with Mm -hmm. which is a feeling of control exactly and order (laughs) exactly right so then it seems to make more sense like oh okay Mm. so it was still so painful (laughs) understanding that then how do you take that to the Lord and say Lord how can I become more abandoned to the place where I don't feel like I need to have any situation that I feel like I need to grasp for control.
1: Right. Well, the other part of that is I don't feel like I have much control of any part of my life. Mm-hmm. And that may be a lie, um, but it really feels that way. Right. I, and, and maybe that's, you know, I need to start thinking, just abandon myself to God's providence more. It's like, God, you're in control of this. And so why shouldn't I be happy with the present moment mm-hmm. and living in that present moment, whatever you bring my way. Right. Yeah. Which by the way, is a really good practice for Lent as well. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Is I've noticed just a, that was also in their retreat that I went to practice living in the present moment mm-hmm. day by day. And brother I Lawrence I've, book come up. Pardon? The, the it, did it did not. It did not. It did not. But I, I really found that it relieved a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. or stress about the future, even if it was just tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah. For the sure.
0: Because really that wanting to know the future or be, you know, it, it, again, it comes from that idea of if I know that I can plan, I can control, I can, you know, this, so this idea of wanting to be the one that is in charge of what's happening in my life, right? And I don't think we can talk about detachment without bringing in, you know, St. Ignatius of Leola, because it was so much a part of his spiritual exercises to grow in detachment. And so he talks about the first principle and the first principle is that we are created to love and serve God. That's the primary thing that we need to focus on. And that then he moves from that to say, and anything in the world should only be used or engaged such that it moves us towards our primary purpose, that first principle. So we engage with things, material things or people to the extent that they are moving us closer to the Lord. And if they are not, then we are meant to let them go. And that can seem very dismissive <laughs> to people. Like, cause you, sometimes the, in the words of modern man, the term detached, that person's so detached often can be a negative connotation. It means like they don't care. They're, they're oblivious. They're not interested. And that's not it at all. Detachment isn't that you don't care. It's that you don't cling. And that's two very different things. So if you have, a, say, for example, a relationship of a person, to be detached in that relationship says, I want to engage this relationship to the extent that this relationship and this person brings me closer to God and I'm helping bring them closer to God. And beyond that, I'm not functioning out of need. I'm not clinging to it. I'm not saying that if I don't have this person, somehow my life is going to fall apart. That, that I'm reliant on this person or, you know, a material thing, I'm reliant on this vehicle. Otherwise my, I just can't do my life without it. Or I'm reliant on this job. I'll be nothing without this job. Like I won't have any identity anymore. Those are places of attachment sure. when you have this feeling that I depend on something for my own identity, fulfillment, peace, joy, any of those things, if that, if, if anything in your life says, I'm dependent on this for my peace, joy, happiness, fulfillment, identity, you are t- attached to it in a way that's unholy. Because the answer to all those things, peace, joy, happiness, fulfillment, identity should be in Christ.
1: Absolutely. Do you have something that you in particular, so you're out your lifetime? Yeah, uh,
0: definitely have. I'd love to hear it. I have had times where I have placed an undue attachment on relationships Mm. where I felt like if this isn't going right, if this isn't, if I'm not receiving what I think I need from this person, I cannot be at peace. I cannot feel joy. I can, I cannot understand my identity as beloved. And so mm. every time that's happened in my life, it's, and it's, it hasn't been a lot. It's been just in a few right. times, a few relationships. It never goes well. Mm. And it, because in that place, the enemy has a foothold. So true.
1: So, so- I identify with this so well because when I first started becoming aware of like the root sin of vanity, Mm -hmm. it was very strong in me because the opinion of others was like enormously important to me. I I got a lot of self, that's the Mm -hmm. definition of vanity. You find yourself worth in the opinion of others instead of looking toward the Lord. And I'm teaching this like to my kids and anybody who wants to listen is having issues detaching from the opinion of others in which I will say you need to take that power away from them. That power only belongs to God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an attachment that's so, so necessary. Because I had a lot of people in my life that really didn't deserve for me to to give them that much right. power. Right? Uh-huh. And so I had to take that power and that I misplaced and give it back to the Lord.
0: Yeah, I like the way that you kind of changed that phraseology. Because at first you said, take that power away from them as if they had taken it from you, but the reality I is you give it. You it, give it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, And so that's a place where it's, it's a beautiful understanding of that. And we're going to talk more about this in the next episode, mm. actually, about how we are more responsible and have more agency in our own choices than we tend to realize. And so, so often we'll experience maybe in a disordered relationship feeling like, they're someone's taking something from us when the reality is we've chosen to give it to them. And the only way that we're going to, um, resolve that situation and get it into more healthy order is for to us to no longer give something to someone that we should, we have no business giving to a person, you know, and one of the things I would say that we often give is this idea that you other person, can fulfill me, you can solve that emptiness that's within me. You can be the answer to that. And then what we're really doing there is basically creating an idol. Mm. Detach- and, the, and, the, and, and idols is kind of very um, associated with the idea of attachment and detachment. Anytime we are unduly attached to something, we have created a idol out of it. And an idol simply is something that we are placing in importance in our lives above God.
1: Okay. I got to pause there because I think this is like so important that I realized only in the last year I have adult children mm-hmm. and I indeed was idolizing them yeah, in can a way. Happen. It's so very easy because as a, as a mother loves a child and you want and desire their only good. But I realized I was going awry when most of my brain power, because we've done things on, what do you spend your time thinking yeah, about, right? Yeah. And I was being too consumed with their well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't abandoning enough to God. So I actually did have to detach from that attachment right. to their well-being, uh-huh. which I, really took me back, is is the scripture passage that says we must leave Father and mother, brother and sister, right. yeah. to follow God, and mm-hmm. that was always like,
0: it's cut my throat," you know. Whenever <laughs> yeah. I
1: would read that, because I'm like, "Surely He's not asking us to detach right. from our children." Yeah. And In their fact, He even says, "You right? must
0: hate," Ooh. which just basically means be completely detach, detached from. Yes, such yeah. so a hard one because think about hard. all these
1: mothers that just pine and worry so about mm-hmm. their adult, their souls, rightly so. But don't be so attached to it that you forget who's really ultimately in control.
0: Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is, is that when you are doing that, you're often making it so much a part of your identity. Like what my children choose is an absolute reflection Mm. on my worth. Mm. And therefore, so their holiness, their salvation, it's my job. I have to make that happen for them. That's pretty much a lie. It is a total lie, wow. but it's actually a very a, big a sin of pride I, to, I to think that so you have that much power to be able right. to determine the ultimate salvation of another human being, even a human being that happens to have been of your flesh and bone. I mean, you just don't have that power, but when you're caught up in this idea that that's your responsibility and that's all on you, you become clinging right and te- so the beautiful thing about this is is that we think that we need to be really super enmeshed sometimes to love well but that's that's the absolute opposite the more we ha- exist in holy detachment in relationship the better we love the other person mm. because we start loving them for them instead of for our own self for Amen. what we want to fulfill within ourselves and that makes a huge difference because that's true self-giving love. That's agape love, not loving out of a desire to fulfill one's own needs or desires. Amen. And it's hard though sometimes because the enemy is very wily because what he often will do is he'll put this veneer of holiness onto attachment it's like, well, it is good to be care so much and to be so invested and to pour myself into this relationship or this job Because or of the good of their soul. Yeah, and but the reality is he's over there laughing. He's like, look at that idol I have put up there. Yes. It's just as big and bad mm-hmm. as that golden calf, and they mm-hmm. don't even get it. They think they're being holy. Mm-hmm. Look at it. So I love it. True. You know, he's over there. And the, and, and the Lord is over here on the other side being like, <laughs> I gave you those children nice not plant. to create an idol, yeah. but to show my love to them, to be an image of me.
1: Right. The, the only other thing I would like kind of add to that was we take our responsibility very seriously as we're raising and forming our children in the faith. Mm-hmm. Right. What I found personally very helpful is I've done my best. And then as they're, you know, the 18 to 20 year old, there's that separation that starts to 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 happen where they're being their own selves and making their own choices. Mm-hmm. And there's an amount of that that you have to allow them to. Much like God loves my free will so much. He'll let me go to hell over it. Mm-hmm. We have to allow them to practice their free will, still stay close enough so that we can coach them when they're making really poor choices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I think really is at play here is to examine how we engage our own desires. Like we can have very strong feelings of desire for things to be a certain way or to, you know, experience certain things or have our relationships look a certain way. And we're going to naturally experience desires. I mean, that's just the reality. And and part of the, the Christian walk is to strive more and more to have our desires be in line with the desires of the Lord, have our will look more like His will. But sometimes they're not going to look the same because we're just not perfected yet. But it's how we deal with our desires that really determine whether we're going to live in a place of attachment or holy detachment. And the goal, you know, that... St. Ignatius of Loyola talks about it, and and, um, St. John of the Cross talks about it as well. St. John of the Cross uses the term nada, nothing. This idea of the to desire nothing, in the sense that it's this or that, either way. It's
1: God alone. Just
0: whatever, Mm -hmm. either way, let it be, you know, like, let it be, let it be, you know, uh, this And that's where we're meant to like kind of grow in detachment is this idea of, I don't need anything to be a certain way. I can desire that something would be a certain way or prefer or prefer, but desiring and preferring are different than feeling like you need it. And that question of what do I feel like I need is the definitive place of understanding where there's detachment, because ultimately the answer comes from, I need only you, Lord. And I've said it before on, on this podcast, but I'll I'll say it again on, because it's so relevant. And it's such a beautiful prayer of St. Ignatius where he's like, receive O Lord, all my liberty, take my memory, my understanding, and all my will whatsoever I have or possess cometh unto me of thy bounty to thee, do I restore it and surrender it all to the governance of thy holy will. Grant me but the love of thee together with thy grace, and I am rich enough, Mm. nor do I ask for aught besides. The love of thee and thy grace, if that's all we need, all we desire. We will be detached from everything else.
1: Wow, that is the supreme definition of of a holy detachment. I love it, man. It is, yeah.
0: And I it's pray, good. I pray that prayer every single day. Actually, oh, I t- nice. I have my martyr's prayer that I pray, and then also that prayer. I say them together at night, and just, and I really do try. I know it so well that I can rattle it off, but I really do try to slow down and really let those words wash over me, just Mm -hmm. really understand. And it it can be a place, a great place of self-examination of conscience. So as we're in Lent right now, I think one of the things I'd like to suggest as a practical thing, this discussion of detachment, uh, as you take into Lent often, hopefully y'all are going to confession at least once during this Lenten season. I would encourage our listeners to use this idea of detachment and even maybe look up that prayer saying Ignatius of Loyola. If you, if you look up receive O Lord, all my Liberty, you know, it'll come up or, you know, you'll find it. There's different translations. I have kind of the old fashioned one that I've memorized, but there's some different ones, but use it as a place of, um, examination of conscience. Do I really believe that? Do I really feel that just your love and your grace are enough and I'm not, I don't need or ask for anything else. Everything else is just frosting on the cake. But do I really believe that? Or are there places within me that I feel like, no, I feel like I need this. Mm. That's a place of where you have an attachment. And then you need to invite the Lord into confess your attachment and then ask for the grace to grow in detachment.
1: Uh, One of my, uh, one of my, I call them thermometers. Like it's like, something that is like a trigger that tells me okay mm-hmm. something's not right here and it's along this detachment lines whenever i found myself feeling i needed to white knuckle something
0: right holding
1: yeah. on to a relationship mm-hmm. or an idea of maybe this great vacation i wanted and i i could find myself like really holding on to it. that white knuckle feeling that became my trigger of being overly attached and that i needed just to let go and yeah. let God have it.
0: That's really good. And also I think even just the places of my peace is disturbed. I feel like mm-hmm. my spirit mm-hmm. is disturbed to ask yourself, okay, what's got my spirit stirred up? And usually it means that I'm not trusting the Lord in a certain place that he's enough. I'm thinking that I need something
1: yeah. beyond him. I've I've always said when you feel that, sense of like what pierces your peace, mm-hmm. you have a sin wrapped up behind it. And then to go into some self-examination and find what you are mm-hmm. overly attached to that's causing that disruption.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up on that. So yeah. places, a self-examination and, and a place that will be growing in our, in our whole lives. Um what? always trying to find okay. those places. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we hope it's blessed you um, to have this discussion and hope that uh, it'll help you along this Lenten journey. And I know that I still have places to examine. I'm sure you do too, Pam. Mm -hmm. And so it's good that we can walk this walk together, shoulder to shoulder, right? Absolutely. The friendship. Amen. So good. So until next time, we hope you remain united with us in prayer. God bless.